When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Bulls Nation? And welcome into the CHGO Bulls Podcast, presented to you by PointsBet. Don't forget that promo code CHGO when signing up your PointsBet account to live your bet. Oh, look at that. You know what? You want to do it? You can do it. I just wanted to help. Uh, Thank you. You can help even more by just taking over the intros and all of the MC kind of stuff. Don't don't be silly. (sighs) Don't be silly. What about tomorrow? It's your last show before jetting off to Brazil again. We'll see. While you're in studio, you should open the show. I got a lot of packing to do. I'm not sure if I have enough time to practice. Oh, I got a lot of packing to I'm do. I'm not sure if I have enough time to practice everything that you do. What it's are a you, lot of work. What are you People bringing to Brazil other than Burks and Athletic Greens? <laughs> That's pretty much <laughs> That's it. That's it, right? <laughs> a ring light that I've still yet to buy. <laughs> You should probably get on that if you're leaving the day after tomorrow. Maybe I'll stop somewhere on the way back. Go into an actual store? No. Like with a door and walls? Could not be me. No way. (laughs) Hey, Bulls Nation. I'm Peck. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. This is my guy, Will the Go Gottlieb. He's at Won't Gottlieb on Twitter. In the magic circle, there is our guy, Big Dave. He is at Bow, B-A-W-L Sports. We are CHO underscore Bulls. And filling in for our guy, Joey, it's our other dear pal, Lawrence. Operating Ooh. controls, our producer for the day. Lawrence, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm just going to leave myself out of the circle, though. I would just like have Dave in the circle. And also, he showed off Aquamini, so shout out to Outcast. Let's go. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up. Back up. Back. Stop, sorry. stop, stop. Did back I say up, that wrong? What? what? What you call that again? Aquamini? Oh, Lord in heaven. Jesus. What? I heard Aqua, Aquabini? What the heck are we talking about? Aquamini. <laughs> what, is it not Aquamini? Have I been saying it wrong for 20 it, it plus years? It is not. You've been Damn. saying wrong for 20 plus Damn, years. Damn, Dave, what is it? It, it is Aquimini. Aquimini. That's my bad it's, with it's the syllable in the wrong syllable. Yeah. You don't have to shame him like together. that, Dave. Yeah, it's not it's like I didn't query. know the No, I have to. No, 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 I have to. <laughs> it's a classic, all right? It's Aquarius and it's Gemini. It's both of their signs combined. It's Aquimini. Oh. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Pronunciation-wise, yes. I still have no idea what product we're talking about. Outcast, bro. It's an album. Outcast. It's an Outcast album. Oh. Matt, I can only scold. I can only scold one at a time, and I'm choosing Lawrence <laughs> today. I can't do you. All right. That's I can't, one I of those words that I've I've like seen a million times on the album cover, but I don't know if I've ever actually tried to say the word. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That was my problem there. I got it's you. More, it's more Aquimini. the cover art that I recognize. Yeah. Okay. Aquimini. Aquimini. I don't even recognize that album artwork. Oh, Matt. See, Matt, again, I only got one mad thing to be I'm, at right now. I am, that's I am generally familiar with Outkast and their hits, like their big radio hits of the early yeah, 2000s. No, see, I remember them. Because no, you're going to say Miss Jackson, and you're going to do all that, and then I'm going to be like, no, it's not, and I'm going to get all Elevators, this baby. Music. Elevators. See, there you much, go. That's how you reclaim yourself. We have too much yourself. other great stuff to talk about today. That's me true. Will you. is very excited <laughs> to get into today's topic, which... Uh, they did it to me, Will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to keep the peace. 
<laughs> Easier said than it's done. All, love, uh, all, all right. So if you are a big old NBA head like all of us here at CHGO Bulls, you probably listen to other NBA podcasts. You probably listen to some non-Bulls NBA podcasts. And one of the biggest out there that cover the NBA overarchingly is The Low Post, hosted by Zach Lowe. It's been one of my go-tos in my NBA podcast wheelhouse for like as long as it's been around, which is probably close to a decade now. And uh, he had Chris Herring on the most recent episode. Uh, shout out to him, by the way. Read, buy and read the book Blood in the Garden that he wrote about Riley, Ewing, Starks, and the 90s Knicks. It's fantastic. There's Dave's copyright there. Um, but so Herring and Lowe were talking specifically they spent like 45 minutes of this recent episode talking about the Bulls and the offseason that just was, a.k.a. was not, based on the Bulls' lack of any major splash moves. And they had a lot of interesting different theories and also questions as to why the Bulls did what they did and didn't do what they didn't do. And so that's what we're going to get into today. And uh, hit us up with any of your thoughts if you listened to the episode and thought certain parts of it were, were fascinating. If you have any questions about it, comments about it, hit us up in those comments. Um, Will, what was it about this conversation between two big NBA national media guys that really pulled you in and said, this is something that we need to talk about, basically piggybacking a podcast onto our podcast? I think it was just the fact that they had the conversation. They kind of talked about it at the beginning. It's like one of those things where, like, every year there's a team – what did he say? Like, every year there's a team, and it's, like, July 15th, and everybody's like, why haven't we talked about this team yet? Yes. And that's been the Bulls. They're, like, just ducking the national media narrative to where we're kind of, like, yelling into this void that the Bulls fans obviously hear, and we're getting all riled up about it. But, like, the national basketball media, the national basketball fan is not really hearing about the Bulls, and it's because they're not doing anything. And that is the problem. That's what we're here to talk about today. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to add to that. Yeah, yes. That's what we're here to discuss, and that's what we're here to talk about. Uh, I expect it to be some lively debates on, on this one right here. It was a great show, honestly. Um, and I, I'm going to agree with you on this one. It was honestly just great to hear somebody outside of Chicago or outside the national media, because Chris Herring is in Chicago, but right. outside of the Chicago media actually talking about the Chicago Bulls. And it wasn't talking about them in a uh, humorous way because they're terrible or, you know, just a, oh my God, this team is a national embarrassment. It wasn't in that way, actual basketball discussion about the Chicago Bulls. And I've missed that. <laughs> that was so much fun to sit and listen to. And look, there, there were some parts of their conversation that we'll get to later on that were optimistic. In addition to them asking questions about why the Bulls maybe weren't more active in this stretch of free agency. Um, so you, you are, you know, partly correct there, Dave, in that it was a conversation held by national NBA heads about the Bulls specifically, and it wasn't just the Bulls being the butt of the joke and nothing else. I think the Bulls were a, the butt of a couple of jokes throughout the course of this conversation between Lowe and Herring, but there was also some optimism that they shared. Um, so we can get to that too. But I think the biggest question... Uh, that Will, you just brought up, is the interesting one, which is for a market as big as Chicago and a brand as global as Chicago Bulls, why is it that they aren't talked about more? And part of it being that they were fairly inactive. Um, Lawrence, you have that exact quote 
from uh, Zach Lowe uh, that we cut from this podcast here. Um, they kind of skirt the national scrutiny, partly because you have an offseason like this one where they don't do anything, so there's nothing to talk about. I want this team to be more a part of the discourse because they're the Chicago freaking Bulls. Thank you, Zach Lowe, for saying that. And this is a little bit of national attention for the Bulls because he is a national NBA talking head who has a very popular podcast that millions of NBA fans listen to. So this conversation right here that he had earlier this week with Chris Herring is a step in that direction. But what he said there is exactly right. The Bulls, you know, they're not quite the Knicks or the, or the Lakers when it comes to sides of market, but they're pretty much tier two. They are right there. I mean, they're tier 1B when it comes to NBA markets, and people just kind of ignore them. And they also especially ignore them if they have an underwhelming offseason like this. But why didn't more people call them out for not having a more productive offseason like Lowe and Herring did in this episode of this podcast, Will? Well, I think it's a lot to do with the fact that they just didn't do much. But to me, that's kind of the story is that they, and I think we'll get to this quote in a minute here too, but like, they went pretty much all out the last year, right? They made the big trade for Vucevic. They did the big thing for DeMar. They gave Zach Levine the max extension. And to be fair, that was like priority one for this summer. Was tampered to get, to get Lonzo. Tampered to get Lonzo, right? All this stuff. But then they kind of just stopped short of the goal. And so it's this big question of how much does continuity really add? And do you need to be considering, you know, well, we had this great stretch here while everybody was healthy, or do we need to actually continue to try to get better because that's what everybody else is doing? And if the rest of the teams in the East are just moving past you and getting better, where does that leave you? And so for me, that's the big question of this offseason is, one, like if you look at the, the points for optimism, you have continuity, and it just remains to be seen how much that actually matters, what that actually means. And two is how much you believe in Patrick Williams. And we've talked about this a ton, but that's, I think, where they kind of are. And then you look at some of the other teams, like the Celtics, like the Heat, like the 76ers, like the Raptors, the Hawks, like all these teams like went out and made moves. And maybe they didn't do as much last year to put themselves in, in the kind of position that the Bulls did. But, yeah, it's just I feel like I'm kind of crazy sometimes talking about this Bulls team because everybody keeps saying, well, they're the Chicago freaking Bulls. They're this huge media market. Why aren't they doing anything? And it's like, are they really? They, they never do anything. Can we even call them that? And then you hear guys like Zach Lowe call them out for it. And it's like, okay, yeah, we can be critical here. We're allowed. Yeah. Um, a few things on, on this. Um, and we'll probably have a, a debate on this. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with what he was saying about the Chicago Bulls uh, and them. Why aren't they being talked about? And also them not spending money and doing those things like that. Where my pushback comes from comes from is hearing them constantly say they're not doing anything. And I kept saying in my head, is it because they weren't doing anything or simply because players didn't want to come here because they wanted to go somewhere else? Because I think there's two sides to that. Um, I, what I've known about AK and Mark Eversley is they're aggressive. When they want something, they're going after it. And they don't mind going after it and trying to get whoever they need to get to help this team be better. Um, but there's two, there's another side to that. The players got to want to come here. They got to want to play for your team. Uh, your, the, the best example, I guess, is Rudy Gobert. 
um, you know they went out for Rudy Gobert. You know they tried to get Rudy Gobert to improve this team and do all those things. They didn't want to give up Patrick Williams, and they also did, didn't want to give up their entire G League organization to get Rudy Gobert, which is pretty much what Minnesota Five did. first-round picks they didn't have? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, they just didn't have that to get Rudy Gobert. So it wasn't from lack of trying. It just didn't work out that way. They they tried to get these players, but you can't make them come if they want to go somewhere else. I remember Luke Kennard was talked about a lot coming here. Well, he resigned. He he didn't want to leave. Um, I remember PJ Tucker mentioned about coming here and talked about he was in a running for PJ Tucker. Well, he wanted to go to Philly, and that was yeah, that, just that flat like out. Just, he wanted to go to Philly. That seemed like it was That's just a move saying. that make it made it seem like it wasn't tampering for the Sixers. Like he had other options, so it could have been tampering. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying, but that's my point. Like he wanted to go there. Period. It didn't matter. Um, Bob, I mean, Bobby Portis' name was mentioned. Why don't we go get Bobby Portis? Well, Bobby Portis didn't want to leave. He wanted to stay in Milwaukee, uh, exactly where he was at. Uh, you know, the Bulls did their due diligence trying to get Kevin Durant, but again, they can't give up the entire Chicago Bulls and the Chicago, and Chicago Red Stars to get him. Like they don't have enough to get this dude. And I mean, even in Gallinari. Like, remember when everybody was like, oh, God, we don't want Gallinari. We don't want him. Well, Gallinari didn't want to come here. Yeah. Gallinari wanted to go to Boston, and he took That's, less money to do it. You know what I mean? So it's what they were saving the other two-thirds of the mid-level exception for after bringing right, in Drummond right. was, well, we'll give that to Gallinari. And Gallinari was like, no thanks. Yeah, well, it's just those things. It's like, I know they were trying, and I know they were putting in the effort to get it. It just didn't work out for them. So when you're playing A and B – don't work out, well, then you have to go to another plan and you have to end up trying to get something. For me, I think that's fair, and I think you have to consider the context when you make those criticisms. But basketball is a zero-sum game. Like, you either win or you don't. You either get the free agent or you don't. You either make the trade or you don't. And for them to go all out and spend the way they did the last two off-seasons, the last off-season plus trade deadline, whatever it was, and then to stop short of the deadline here – it's just it's confusing and it sends i think mixed messages about what the the motives are for this team and what their goals are for next season and to me you send such a message like we're going all in for two 30 plus year olds we're going all in by signing mac uh zach levine to the biggest contract that any chicago athlete or whatever and i just i don't get how you can do all of those things and then still not you know, actually prove it by going into the tax or by, you know, making the necessary trade of draft picks that you need to, to get the guy. And to your point, Dave, like maybe none of that matters because Gobert was just never going to be within their price range. Or, um, you know, maybe Luke Kennard to your point, like some of these guys just weren't going to be available, but you have to go find a way. Maybe Andre Drummond becomes like a starting caliber center Maybe Goran Dragic still has a ton left in the tank, and those signings look a lot better in six, eight months than they do right now. But it just seems like they're banking on something that, to me, is probably a, a dangerous bet, a bet that I, I probably would not make myself. So, Dave, I, I absolutely see the validity in what you were saying as far as, well, yeah, you could question why not spend more money. But there has to be mutual interest between parties, between organization and available player. And if there weren't a whole lot of available players to begin with, 
which was true about this free agent class in 2022. There weren't like a bazillion names out there that made sense for the Bulls. But there weren't no names either. When we talked about our short list, and Will made a short list and wrote about it in one of his columns leading up to free agency of, all right, these are, you know, two-way wings that this team could certainly use who are, you know, quality defenders and or quality three-point shooters or, or floor-stretching fours or rim-protecting bigs. Here is the list of guys. They said they needed shooting and rim protection. Rim protection and shooting, right? That's what everyone was aware that this team needed. And right. you can't say that by adding Drummond and Dragic, they substantially improved in either of those areas. You just can't. And I, I that's, agree. that's the frustrating part is we will never know, um, unless they tell us, what calls... AK and Eversley made and received as the free agent mm. hours were first opened. And maybe mm. they were close to bringing in some guys who Bulls fans would have been happier with than Drummond and Dragic, but didn't come quite there. The bottom line one to me is if there is somebody that they could have signed that was interested in signing, but the Bulls said, we're going to have to peek into the luxury tax to do that, so we're not going to do mm. that. That mm. is the thing that Bulls fans are allowed to be pissed off about if it's true. But that's the, the maybe even more frustrating part is we will probably never know exactly what that is. The assumption of most Bulls fans who have followed not only the team but the organization for years and years and decades and decades is this team didn't improve this offseason because it would have required going into the luxury tax to do it, and we know mm. that Grandpa Jerry don't do that. That's what's going on. Or that's what and that's fair. think is going on. Right, right. And that's fair. And like I said, I have no argument with that. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a history of it. We understand that. And even in that sense, this is the only way I thought about it, uh, guys. AK and Mark Eversley know who they work for. They know exactly who they work for. All right? They know who Jerry Ryan Zorf is. They know who these guards are. And they know if they're going to come to the Ryan Zorf's and tell them we need to go into the luxury luxury tax. It can't be for a guy who's a role player and not a game changer because that's not how they're going to look at it. They're not going to look at it as it don't matter who this player is. We need to get better and improve. And so we need to go and pay this person so we can get better and improve. And then next season, continue to keep doing that. That's not how they, they're going to look at it. They're going to say, who is this game changer dude? We, we're going to go into a luxury tax that we have never done outside of one time in our entire existence here. If they're not going to do it for Hartenstein. It's just not a thing. They're not going to do that. It has to be a name. It has to be something that they can bring to them and show them. That's what I think AK and Eversley are doing because they're not dumb. They know exactly who these dudes are. And they know if they're going to come to them and show them, yo, this is what it's worth, and this is the person we got to have. It has to be a name. I'm not saying it's right because it ain't. You should you should go into the luxury side to try to get better. That's not you know what I mean. I'm with you on that. Absolutely, I'm not against that. But I'm telling you, that's the thinking here. When you have to bring in and try to improve your team before you present them with something big, because I still think they're going to present them with something big. It's just not coming in this season right here. I think it's going to come next season in that free agency when they say, yo, we're going to go get this dude right here. And I, we, you got to take the reins off of it to let us go get this guy because it's a name. Well, the problem there is that, like, they're going to be capped out next season because of Zach's max deal. They're, they're not going to be able to add. This was their chance. 
to make a move. They're not going to have the full mid-level exception next year. So to me, it's like it's less even about going into the tax or not. It's less about, well, they could have beaten this offer for Hardenstein or whatever. It's like the, the concept of these teams are getting better. We lost, what was it, like – one in 16 against the top teams in the East. Like, yeah. this is this is who this team is. You also hear Lonzo Ball is, like, potentially not going to be ready for the start of next season. So even if you are banking on health and continuity, like, that already could be gone. So how do you rationally go into next season without having made any upgrades? Is the priority still to try to win now? And if not, why did you go out and get DeMar? Because now you're just, like, you're wasting this window. Realistically... It was last year and this year because Vooch is expiring. So this is it, right? Like, what do you do after that? Do you extend Vooch? Do you go into the tax to do that for age 33 Vucevic? Do you, what? I just, I don't know. And so for me, it's less about anything specific. And it's more that I just don't understand what the plan is, what the direction is anymore. And maybe it was like, well, let's get back to the playoffs. Let's sign a few key guys and let's make Chicago a destination again by signing DeRozan and paying Zach what he deserved in terms of the max contract and proving to other players around the market that, well, this is a place that you can actually go now, a place that's going to take themselves seriously and that's going to try to win games and actually treat their players well. But that didn't roll over to this offseason. So I just don't, I don't really understand where it leaves you. And that, mm-hmm. I think, is, is frustrating for me because I think all these other teams have a direction, they have a plan, they have goals. And for me, like... I just don't see what that is for the Bulls right now. And I think ultimately it just comes down to health, continuity, and Patrick Williams. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's uh, maybe that's what it's going to be. Well, so yeah, uh, well, go ahead, Dave. I was going to say, I, I disagree, uh, Will, when you said they didn't improve. I, I do think they improved. Um, but, and I'm not, <laughs> I, didn't, I don't think it's leaps and bounds improvement. Uh, but I do think it's improvement. By one, I don't have to watch Tony Bradley play basketball anymore. For me, that's an improvement. Uh, Dragic is an improvement in your backcourt. He's an actual point guard who can run your team uh, if Lonzo Ball is not going to be there. How long he'll be able to do that and those things, yeah, that that's up for plenty of debate, and I completely get that. But for me, that's an improvement. Uh, Daylon Terry is an improvement uh, for your team. And I think the plan, Will, is to develop what they have. And, cause they could, and I'm only saying that because it's what they keep saying. They keep saying continuity, 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 continuity. So I'm like, well, that sounds like to me that you like the guys you have and you want to develop them and see what they are before you do any, make any other kind of moves. Because when I hear that stuff like continuity, like I, the first person I think of is Zach Levine. And I'm like, he's it's like his first year where he has a coach that had like two seasons straight. You know what I'm saying? Even though Billy's going into his third. First year he had a coach, you know what I'm saying, that it's still there when he got there. You know what I mean? Didn't get fired mid-season or so. Didn't get fired on Christmas or something like that. You know what I mean? It's his first time having that kind of continuity. First time having an all-star with him. First time four-game win. You know, yada, 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 all that other stuff. We already know that. But I think that's what it is, though. I think they're trying to develop. Of course, like you said, Will, uh, Patrick Williams. I think they're trying to get his development. I think a lot is dependent on Io in his season because now they're going to have to pay him uh, after this year is up and see what he is. And then finding out what Vooch has left in the tank uh, as far as is he worth re-signing to a new contract and bringing him back because of the continuity he has with Marco. That's a part of it as well, I think. 
So his development is a, is a part of this too. So I think that's the plan uh, for the Bulls in this season. Um, is it a good plan? Is it a right plan? That that we can debate, you know what I'm saying, all day long. But I think that that's the plan of what they want to do. Yeah, and I think for me it's like – sorry, Matt. Just like one more thing on this is, is that like maybe that is the plan. But to me, like you're kind of doing both things not good enough. You're trying to mm. develop and be – you know, a future team with Patrick and Io and, and maybe Lonzo and Zach and Dale and Terry, that's fine. But then why would you go out and trade future picks and future assets for guys that are win now? And if you're trying to go out and trade assets and things that are win now, then you got to do that. And so, mm-hmm. like, the continuity part matters, I think, for this season. Because otherwise, you're talking about next year without Vucevic. And what do you do at center then? What do you do about your big three? What, what do you do about the pick, the two picks that were out the door and, and Wendell Carter? So for me, it's like, you know, I talk about threading the needle and trying to, like, develop and also win now the way the Warriors have. You can't really do that unless you are the Warriors and then have two years where, you know, two of your best players miss the entire season and you're able to hit on guys like Jordan Poole and Kuminga and Moody. And, like, the Bulls just haven't been able to do that because – and, and here's another big thing for me is that they haven't spent on the front office and the coaching staff to give them a competitive advantage there. Like Ricky O'Donnell says this all the time. They don't have a shooting coach. They're drafting mm-hmm. all these guys that are athletes and that can pass the ball and stuff, but they can't shoot. And then they go 28 for 150 in the playoffs <laughs> and they don't, they don't try to get any better shooting. So there are ways that you can improve your team internally if you want to do it that way, but I haven't seen them do that either. And so to me, it's like they're trying to do both things. And because they're trying to do both and not doing them well enough, they're doing nothing. And yes, they added players to improve. But I think relative to the rest of the East, who improved so much more, yes, there was a slight improvement for the Bulls, but it, it's not on par with that. And so to me, it makes you fall back a little bit. Awesome. Well um, yes, it is. More, plenty more to get to in this conversation. I have some thoughts, um, and we'll get to some of y'all's comments. I see Salim hanging out, and Hayes, shout out to you guys. You're making some interesting points there. Uh, but right now, we got to take a quick break so that my guy, Big Dave, can tell all of you in Bulls Nation how much fun you should be having and could be having with points bet. Oh, let me hurry this up because I want to hit this other man read that Matt is going to do. The best way to support CHGO is to download that PointsBet app and use that code CHGO when you sign up. Because if you do that right now, you'll get those two risk-free bets up to $2,000. And that's not it. If you make a 50 more first-time deposit, you're going to get that free CHGO membership, y'all. I said free 99, which unlocks all of that awesome web content. And you'll even get a free t-shirt of your choice from that CHGO locker. That's 2,000 free bets, a free CHGO membership, a free T-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making a $50 or more first-time deposit. Where? At PointsBet. It's your home for live in-play betting. And you know what it just did? It got even better. Don't just watch the game, y'all. Bet along with it live. Is your favorite team prime for that comeback? Unless you're the Cubs or the White Sox? Seeing an edge in the game that you're watching? More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs that's faster live cash outs follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long and remember download that points bet app right now and use that promo code c h g 
Oh, so what are you waiting for? Because it's time, y'all, to elevate. Elevate, 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 elevate. That's Kendrick Lamar. To live, to, oh, excuse me, your live betting game. Because once that game starts, you don't just bet, damn it. We're the thrill. Tell them what they do. Damn it. You live your bet life. <laughs> How come Joey ain't there? Oh, yeah, Joey ain't there. <laughs> Today's episode is also brought to you guys by our new friends and partners, FOCO. Chicago sports fans, you're home for the best Chicago sports coverage. That's us, CHGO. It's partnering with a leader in sports merch and collectibles. CHGO has teamed up with FOCO to secure your access to the best collectibles and gear around. Whether it's Bears, Cubs, White Sox, Blackhawks, Bulls, FOCO will have something for you, your kid, your friend, your loved one, whoever. If you're looking to get some new gear, collectibles, or accessories, FOCO has officially licensed gear for adults, for kids, for pets, everything from bobbleheads to swimsuits to Crocs. Man, it's summertime in Chicago right now. It's hot as hell. Their, like, beach section of their website, incredible. You can get, like, a Bears cooler, uh, slider sandals, water shoes, swimsuits, Anything you need for a Chicago beach day, FOCO has it with all of your favorite team's apparels. FOCO has got you covered with the best Chicago merchandise of your favorite teams. So here's what you do. Head on over to FOCO.com. That's F-O-C-O.com right now. And use promo code C-H-G-O at checkout. And you will get 10% off all non-presale items. That's promo code C-H-G-O for 10% off all non-presale items at FOCO.com. Com. Boom. Boom. What's, six, your, what's your take on Crocs? For Foco. Um, I think they're weird. I've never understood them, and I think people that wear them are weird. Okay, that's kind of what I figured. But you wear Burks. Uh, wait, shouldn't y'all all be in the same family? You know what I mean? Y'all oh, no. all tight? No. Our, our Birkin you know Crocs what? You know why? Because my toesies are free. Birkin, our Birkin Crocs. Crocs <laughs> Birkin Crocs? I don't know. I, I would be terrified <laughs> if they did a mashup crossover of Burks and Crocs. I feel like that could be a t-shirt. I'd be it would break my brain. <laughs> you can't have I a bird you, you can't have a closed-toed burke and Wait a aren't minute, all crocs thinking, open or closed-toed i'm thinking birkenstock burke style with, holes in with it. croc material yeah or, oh. or with holes in it yeah hold on we'll i can see that man please hold but matt matt i'm curious though you do when you go to the beach is it birkenstocks at the beach too or you getting oh, beach yeah. shoes birkenstocks and water shoes Okay, because you dress um, like you're going to the beach all the time, but I've never really seen you <laughs> at the beach. <laughs> That's why I'm, I'm asking. I'm, I'm not dressed like I'm going to the beach right now. This shirt has partial length sleeves on it. And it upsets you, does it? <laughs> Super does. Super does. It's hot in this studio, man. Um, okay, True. according to Google True search, facts. Birkencrocs, very much a thing. Let's go. Wow. I, I'm I'm perplexed by this. I, I don't know if I have the, the courage to try them, but they are, in fact, a thing. I don't Birkin. know if this is an actual <laughs> partnership between Birkenstock, the brand, and Croc. The, is there a Crocs brand, or do different people just make Croc-style shoes? Uh, that's a good that's question. That's how little I, I know, know about Crocs. Oh, I've seen these before. I was thinking, I didn't realize these were like... Birkin Crocs. I was thinking of, of something different. Well, we'll have to work with the. Uh, We're gonna have to do some with Joey on some on some, some more uh, intensive research <laughs> on some on graphics the here. We'll we'll come up with something. Um, <laughs> and Only yes, Aiden, I am giving out the feet for free anytime you want them because you know what? I'm wearing Birks until <laughs> it cools off. I am wearing 
freaking Burks to the office every damn day. Deal with it. <laughs> Where are yours, sir? It was a shoes day. Shoes me. day? It was a shoes day. It's 92 degrees shoes outside. I wore shoes today. Uh, I appreciate you, Not man. today. The Burke yeah. brothers. This is why this conversation is happening. Because the Burke, <laughs> Burke brothers are on your screen, y'all. The Burke brothers is on the screen. Damn, that's some of the best stuff Joey ever did. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, uh, so back to our conversation that we were having and, and the point that you were kind of making there, Will, uh, Chris Herring asked a similar question in a way that he, I thought phrased it perfectly. Uh, Lawrence, if you wouldn't mind, do you have that other quote from Herring from the low post? Thank you. Uh, so this is Chris Herring on the bulls. Are you ducking the tax? Are you not willing to spend? If you're in first place for most of the season and you're not trying to take swings here, then what are you doing? Which is essentially what you were saying that they're like, they started to go all in and then now they're just kind of stuck halfway in and don't want to push the remainder of their chips in because as somebody in the comments was saying, well, you know, the, I, I think it was you Hayes said it wasn't like they brought in DeMar to be the best player on a title contending team right now. They brought in DeMar, they brought in Vooch to at least at first re-legitimize the bulls as a team that was not, not was nothing more than a laughing stock and a joke. Let's get back Correct. to relevancy. Let's get back to being competitive. Let's get back to being a playoff team. First things first, right? Fine. Yes. Dave and I will have certainly echoed those sentiments for those who were like pissed off beyond all whatever that this team was a one and done playoff round team this past season. We were like, dude, forest for the trees. With this was our first time in the playoffs of five years. Like a step is a step. A forward step is a step. But now, after that forward step, there are some people saying this offseason did not feel like they're teeing themselves up for another forward step. And as Will said, and as, as Herring was kind of alluding to there, if you're going to f sacrifice future assets in draft capital in particular, young talent that you could continue to develop on your roster but instead trade away to get these guys here and you're not going all in, then what the heck are you doing? Yeah. yeah, it's a weird it's a weird balance um, in a real position that you that you're in, you know, what I mean, as AK and Mark Eversley are, because not only are you trying to, as you said, uh, reestablish the Bulls team, but you're trying to reestablish the Bulls organization, period. You know what I mean? Like, it's a whole thing that they have to do. It's not just what is going on on the court. They have to do it off the court uh, as well, because even when he's mentioning them not being talked about, it's because the Bulls haven't been friendly, you know what I'm saying, or I believe for a few years to a lot of people, man. There's a lot of mending and a lot of things they have to do outside of the actual what's going on on the floor. And that's what's part of this um, as well. So it's very hard. Like when you mentioned, uh, well, when you were mentioning the Warriors and things like that, like they don't have to do those things. You know, they, they're standing around leagues already awesome. And I'm sure you can speak to that, you know, better than I could ever do. Um, but they're standing around the league. It's, it's pretty damn awesome. It's pretty cool. Not the Bulls standing. <laughs> like, you know, it wasn't that at all. They were they were not beloved. They're still not beloved by media here. You know what I mean? In their own city be because of previous regimes and things like that. So, yeah, you have to establish that legitimacy and get that stuff back as well. And it's tough to do because you have to establish that. But then at the same time, make it okay for other people to still want to come into your organization and then at the same time, get in good standing around the league so people can have actual respect for you and you can start getting on certain, you know, certain uh, 
certain tables, I guess the word is, you know, being in certain rooms, rooms where it happens, the room where it happens. You get around certain rooms and things like that because of that. And they have to reestablish that. And it's not going to happen in three years, in, in my opinion. It's going to take some time. So this is the way they're going about it. It's going to be flaws in it and all kinds of flaws in it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It's a weird position they're in, but it's tough. I think that's a good point. Like there are going to be flaws in it and they have done overall like a miraculous job. And I think that's why they endeared so many fans right off the bat was that they clearly picked a direction, even though they like, I think made some flawed trades, right? You overpay a little bit for Vucevic. You overpay a little bit for DeMar in terms of giving up assets for guys that are a little bit older. In DeMar's case, they had to, uh, as we've talked about before, offload Alfaruk Aminu, who they got back for Vooch. So they had to give the pick to the Spurs in order to do that. Now you're just out picks that you don't necessarily have to be. Um, so they've made mistakes, but they picked a direction. I think that was what was like smart and exciting. And then, like to your to your point, Matt, you, you touched on this is like they they're in first place for so much of the year. So they kind of like owe it to themselves to keep on with that path. Well, I think the art the opposite of that argument is true too like you're in first place you see all these other teams getting better you owe it to yourself to keep going in and i'm seeing some people in the comments talking about like realistic trades they could have made well we talked a lot about jeremy grant last year right obviously that trade for um to the blazers was a lot a lot less than patrick williams but you cannot tell me the bulls could not have matched or beaten this offer it was jeremy grant and the draft rights to ishmael kamagate from the pistons in exchange for the draft rights to Gabriel Presida, a 2025 first-round pick via Milwaukee, which is going to be in the 20s more, most likely, uh, and a 2025 and 2026 second-round pick. Like, Kobe, the Blazers pick, and something else, like, that beats that offer. Right. So, maybe that to me is a, is a tax. Maybe the Blazers pick, and that, then maybe throw in a second. That right there beats that offer. That to me is the tax argument. You're not willing to go into the tax. Like, you could have kept Patrick Williams and got Jeremy Grant. And that makes you so much better because, one, you need the depth. Two, you need the shooting. Three, you need the defense. Four, you need that size and that ability to guard bigger guys. Like, they just don't have that. And so when you don't go in when you have the op opportunities to, that's where you really just set yourself back. It's not just that you didn't do it. It's that other teams did it. And now they're better and, and you're worse off. There are some non-Jeremy Grant believers in the comments and that, you know, difference of opinion. That's I was fine, never, but, like, is anybody here a, a Kobe White believer? When, when Bulls fans were obsessed with the Jeremy Grant idea like a year and a half ago when that, you know, talk had a lot of smoke around it. Um, but then as you just – what you saw what he went for and you're like, that's it? I was like, no way in hell I want to give up Patrick Williams for Jeremy Grant because I don't think Jeremy Grant's mm. that good. But would mm. Jeremy Grant have helped this team this past season? Possibly. Quite probably. The other thing, um, as I see this comment from Joker saying that the Bulls will go into a full rebuild before they go into the tax, the other element of this conversation between Lowe and Herring that I thought was interesting was, and you know, some of you might roll your eyes because how often do Bulls, Bulls fans harken back and, and revisit this history, the fork in the road with Jimmy Butler back in, at the end of the 2016-17 season. And... Mm -hmm. If they didn't want to build around him then and would rather tear it down and start with fresh young assets, young talent via trade and young draft, uh, young draft assets that they got in the trade, 
Although the other part of that that's so freaking crazy, and I think they talked about it on the pod, is that like that's all the Bulls got for Jimmy Butler in that trade. At the time, Jimmy Butler, all-star, quickly being considered more and more one of the best two-way players in the NBA. They didn't even get a single first-round pick for him. They got a pick swap, if you recall, in that deal with Minnesota. Zach Levine and Chris Dunn. That was it. And you look Fast at... Fast forward five years, and people it's like people are talking about seven or eight picks for Donovan Mitchell right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the idea of that fork in the road, you know, with Jimmy Butler at age, what was it, 26, 27, with a year or mm-hmm. two left on his contract, um, to give up on a guy like that, regardless of how you feel about him, obviously, like, they put themselves mm-hmm. in a compromised position when they made that trade because they effectively made it known that they wanted to get rid of him. When you do that, it's very hard to get equal value back. And that was before... Drew Holiday went for three first-round draft picks, two swaps. It was before Anthony Davis went for, like, 16 picks and 37 swaps. Like, we hadn't gotten to that point yet. We were still in the, like, everybody's afraid to trade picks because of Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett to the Nets. But I do think it's significant that you that you bring that up because it's it really set them back. And not just in terms of, like, having a good team, but when you don't put yourself in a position to load up on young players – and also don't put yourself in a position to develop those young players. It's the same problem that you're running into now, where, like, Dale and Terry could be a nice player. Patrick Williams could be a nice player. Io, nice player. But, like, they're not really maximizing their chances to develop them into stars because they just haven't ever – they haven't done that before. They don't have that in their infrastructure right now. And, again, I hate to, like, really kill them here because they have done such a good job – in the past, the last two seasons, I mean, the difference between this regime and the last one is just so profound. But again, to me, that makes it even more crazy that they're not continuing on this path of trying to be really good and instead are now sort of like waffling back towards the middle, which I think now you're just like before they were they were on the wrong side of mediocre, right? Like they were the seventh pick in the draft. Now they're going to be like the 15th pick in the draft. They're on the other side where they're just getting that playoff revenue, maybe. Now it's harder with the play-in tournament. Like, they could have just one or two games of playoff revenue. And they're still not good enough to actually compete or good enough to actually get somebody in the draft. You're just on the, the wrong side of it. Yeah, I don't agree with all of that. Um, I will say this about the Jimmy Butler thing, because there's one thing that's left out of that. Um, Jimmy Butler wasn't really liked. <laughs> You know what I'm saying about certain teammates that he had. So when we talk about those young players and developing them, they didn't they weren't cool with Jimmy Butler. Because if you remember the whole thing that came out with Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler during that season, them talking about those young get guys. Them. You have a superstar. I, I get you. I get you. But but also at the same time, Jimmy Butler wasn't at that level of superstardom yet that that he is now. He was awesome, but he does he wasn't at that level yet. And this is the other way I've always looked at it too, Will. Would I have rather kept Jimmy Butler? And and the old regime or take Zach Levine in the new regime because you weren't going to get both. You were, you, you were going to have one or the other. And I'm and I'm completely OK with having a whole new regime here and dealing with these struggles. than keeping Jimmy Butler and dealing with what the hell we had previously. I'm completely cool with that. That's a sacrifice I am OK with making right there. That's that's 
fine. I'm not even talking about like they should have kept Jimmy. I'm saying the way they handled the Jimmy Butler trade, I think cost them and set them back a little bit. And, and you saw and, and what they had and what they got back from it. What mean? they had and just like the way that they they went about the trade. Like I said, they because they made it so known that they were going to get rid of him, it became very difficult to get a lot uh, back from him. And and like they were just so enamored with Chris Dunn that, <laughs> that, yes, was, they were. that was the package. Like <laughs> Yeah, they and, love. And like, they they see, were in love with him. You're right. I see this comment. Uh, let me see if I can find who said it. That like I'm always saying the the sky's falling. I, I get uh, it. Like yes, Jared said that in the comments. I'm sorry, Jared. I, I'm not trying to say the sky is falling. What I am trying to say is that there are opportunities to get better. And and I said it just now. Like I'm so happy with the way that the Bulls have turned their organization around. And I just don't understand why you would stop now. You've done such a good job. Keep keep on doing a good job. <laughs> Don't go back to the old ways. And it feels like, like, do you think, Will, that they're placing too much on the development of, of Patrick Williams in the aisle? Because I heard you say they could be good players and things like that, but it feels like the dependency is on them being more than good. Do you think they're placing too much on them? The dependency is on them being really, really good, right? Like, that is that is the path for improvement. I think Zach Lowe mm-hmm. said this, is that, like, there is some reason for optimism for this team to be good, but that's where the optimism stops. And right. for that to work, it's got to be Patrick Williams. Like, there's no way you can expect DeMar to do what DeMar did last year. Like, there's just – there's no way. You'd be a fool to think that he's going to be better next year. Um, like, maybe he, – he said this too. Maybe the outlier with Vooch's seasons shooting the three was the year that he shot 40 because every, every other time it's been around 34, 35, 36. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe that year was the, you know, the the year that was going to come back from regression. So I just I don't see why you bank on some of the stuff that seems a little bit less likely. And again, moves weren't out there. Stuff that they wanted could could have not been available. But there are always ways that you can improve, whether it's within your own staff, whether it's, you know, moving more picks for even just like role players at the deadline like they they the Larry Nance thing for Derek Jones and then you don't trade Derek Jones you lose the ability to do much with him and then you have to bring him back on a smaller contract um same thing with Kobe like the longer you keep him the lower his value is going to go and so they they just had all these opportunities to do stuff with the Portland pick that's looking like it may never convey with Kobe whose value continues to go down with not getting Larry Nance you know they have to do something with that Portland pick right like they, mm-hmm. they need what are you talking about? Portland's playoff bound, baby. Then they, they need got a, Jeremy Grant. They need to. You see what that starting five is? You see that? What are you saying? They, they <laughs> got to get something for that. Um, he, uh, he, be exactly, did say some nice things about Patrick Williams and saying that is where optimism lies, is if he can take that next step this year, which people and Chris Herring saying people quickly forget Patrick Williams basically just missed his entire second season. And was playing on a team with two very ball-dominant people in Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. And what were people expecting to see from him in year one or then in a very brief, you know, grand total of 15 games in year two? You know what else Zach Lowe brought up? Something that our pal Mark hates. Still only 20. He's only 20. (laughs) Zach Lowe is on the Pat Williams is only 20 years old bandwagon. Welcome aboard, Mr. Lowe. <laughs> and it's still true for another month. Because oh, isn't his birthday is. like late August? 
Yeah, it is. yeah. I you, think you, you, we have a one more month, Marquet. I know you're. I know you're out there watching. One more month of being able to say that Patrick Williams is only 20 years old. The thing about Patrick, though, is it's like it's less about his age and more about how many games he's played. Yes, he's had like yeah basically one season, and he just needs more time to develop. But again, to the point of player development, he is not somebody that likes to stand in the corner and shoot threes. He does not right. like to do that. Uh, he needs to have the ball in his hands a little bit more, and I think they wanted him to have more on-ball responsibilities, but with the injury and then with DeMar playing so well, it just became not really an option. So they need to see if they can put the ball in his hands a little bit more so that that idea of a future, whether it's like a short-term future or a long-term future, they need to see what they have there, and they can't do that if Pat's just hanging out off the ball. So this whole thing about like DeMar bringing Patrick's to the 4 a.m. workouts and like really training him up, this is – the reason for optimism is you bring in guys that can help develop players and, and hopefully utilize DeMar as like a player development coach almost and really teach mm-hmm. Patrick how to be a high level pro. That is, I think, where some of this can work. And then obviously you've got the health stuff. You've got like internal room for growth with Lonzo, who's only 24 with IO. Uh, Zach is still 27. Like these guys can get better. I'm not saying they're going to be bad. I just, I want them to continue to try to always be getting better. Because I think if mm. you're not always getting better, then other teams are going to lap you. If you're not first, you're last. <laughs> Dude, get out of my brain. <laughs> yeah, I was right yeah, there. I was literally about to right say there. Right there. Shout right out there. to Gary Cole. What, a, what an underrated character in all of the filmography of Will, Will Ferrell. Gary Cole is his dad. Um, this is true. Uh, all right. Let's, I want to touch on a few different things. We'll get to a few more comments. But before we get out of here and before we do that, Big Dave, shout out to the people mm-hmm. at Owen, would you please? Oh, I'll do that right now. Here, Thank wait, you, sir. Wait, let me show you something here. You see this mm. right here? Mm. This is what I'm forced to have right now. It does the trick sometimes. It's all right. It's cool. It's nothing. But you know what it ain't? I'll tell you what it ain't. It is not a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you and I do. It's not free of all artificial ingredients. It's not allergen-friendly. Is no gluten nor is dairy, and it's easily digestible. What am I talking about? I'm talking about that stuff that QB1 Justin Fields loves and enjoys. It's called Owen, damn it. And you want some, and you need it in your life, because Owen stands for only what you need, all right? And so Owen and CHGO have partnered to give you this awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com with the code CHGO20. That is 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com at CHGO20. So don't get this no more. You don't need that. All you might need is some athletic greens and you need that 100% plant-based protein shake that you can only get at Owen. Because as you all know, Owen's a win. That dramatic, that, that dramatic pause was super <laughs> d- pausey and dramatic. Dramatic. <laughs> yes, it was. It was definitely that. Both of those things. I tried to bring that. Try to bring that to the people. Like, where'd he go? He disappeared. I mean, there you are. There you are. We got people in the comments talking about Patrick Williams not having that dog in him. That dog in him, that heart. Oh, People are talking about giving Patrick Williams a heart transplant and giving him either Joakim Noah or Nate Robinson's heart. And I'm <laughs> sitting here saying, like, what the hell are y'all talking about? Give him Matt Peck's <laughs> heart. What the hell are y'all talking oh. about? 
Don't do that no. either, Will. It might do explode not, on the floor. Do court. not give it my heart. My heart is 80% bacon grease. That it would is. not That's work out well. <laughs> explode right on the floor. I, I do not understand that. I think Emilio in the comments, it was one of the first ones to bring up P-Dub's, like, you know, mentality, his his mental makeup, his desire to win, whatever. It, mm. He's been in the league for a, a, a season and a tenth, right? How, how do you know that already? I'm sorry. I just don't get how people think that. Um, you know what it is, Matt? It's, it's the same people who told us that Daylon Terry was a bust after a game in the summer league. It's the same thing. 1.25 summer league games. <laughs> yes. People Daylon Terry's fire bust. bust. Get him out of here. <laughs> Get him out. He's the worst. They all. No, he's trash. Oh, my God. Oh, Relax, y'all. I just, you know, <laughs> I don't. It is. I think it's also true, though, and it kind of goes back to what what Herring and Lowe were talking about. People who are already calling Patrick Williams a bust are way too quick on that. However, he needs to get pretty darn good for this core of players to go further than round one and done. Like that, I think it's that is a yeah. flat, like indisputable truth right now. No, there's there's nothing to argue there. He has to, and it's on him this year. Period. Um, anytime guys like Zach Lowe and Chris Heron and national media are putting their hopes in you because you're the focus of all this, it's an important season. It's not just Bulls fans looking at him saying, dude, we got to see it. It's time to check it out and see it right now. And I think he knows that strictly because I'm just watching the way he's practicing in the offseason and how he's kind of, you know, busting his behind and being out there uh, with DeMar DeRozan and all those things. And of course, you know, when me and Will were at Summer League, I got to look at him and I said, yes, he's ready. Yeah, so take that for what it's worth, <laughs> which is absolutely nothing. Um, but yeah, man, like it's it's just a whole lot on him. And we want to just see more of what we've seen on the court. And I think for me, and I said this previously, Matt, I always felt like it wasn't a critique to say of uh, Patrick Williams because we never really critique his game. We always just talk about his mental makeup. You know, we don't we don't critique the three point shot or how he gets inside, how he gets outside, and those things like that. It's always has to do with him being healthy and him being mentally prepared to play this game of basketball. So I'm like, those are things that come with time because it doesn't come to everybody like that. And I have to explain that to to alpha brain aggressive people all the time. Like everybody ain't got that brain. Some people have to develop it, and it takes a while. Scottie Pippen is a great example of this. It takes a minute sometimes for it to develop. You know what I mean? So Patrick Williams, it has to, he has to show these flashes, and I mean more consistently this year. It can't just be a game that we're like, dude, he did it. Because you know who that sounds like? Sounds like Lowry. You know what I mean? Because we would see a flash and then gone. You know what I mean? So we know we need to see it consistently and have it happen more chances than not. Because he's going to get plenty opportunity because he's not going to have the best defender on him. You know what I mean? He's not going to have the one or the two defender on him. So he's going to get plenty of opportunity to get some run, guys, and see if he can be that dude. Yeah, and, and Lara brings up a good point in the comments here. Um, you know, the, the learning curve for him really did change because they changed their plan. Like, they drafted him, and then all of a sudden, Vooch and DeMar were in town. And yeah. that's a lot to deal with as a 20-year-old. Um, I, I do think, though, like – it's year three for him. It's, you know, he's, he's played 88 games in his career, but this is year three. This is when he has to make some leap and, and not just have flashes, but put some flashes together, string some flashes together so that like there is 
a future here because as somebody else said in the comments, like you want to see IO Pat will and Terry develop the next few years. Matthew Lucas says, um, and hit their ceilings. Then we'll have a longer window. That's totally true. But you've also now missed three opportunities to add young players because of, because of the fact that you shorten the window, right? Like, well, who knows if the bulls would have drafted Franz Wagner eighth overall, um, when they traded for Vooch, like who knows, Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he doesn't turn into that same player. Like, that's a young player the Bulls don't have right now. Same thing's going to happen next year. They're going to end up with a player that the Bulls wouldn't end up having. Same thing in 2025. Those are three young players that you could have added to that young core. And maybe you just play the player development game that we saw for four years where Lowry, Kobe, Wendell, uh, Chandler Hutchinson, Gafford, all these guys didn't develop the way that you wanted them to. But to me, that's... That's exactly where you are, is you're kind of in the middle of these two avenues where you're not developing players enough because Patrick Williams doesn't get to have the ball in his hands as much as he should because DeMar and Vooch and Levine are there. But also, uh, you're not adding enough talent around DeMar and Vooch and Levine to where they can actually be really good. So that being in the middle and getting stuck in the middle there, I think with this short window closing and with the longer-term window becoming harder to build – that's where I'm confused. Shout out to Dupes who said betting on development from a team that has historically not done development well is uh, scary. Yeah. Yeah. As you were just saying that, like, and I had an audible response to it. Like, uh, it hurt me. It hurt my soul. It hurt my actual body to contemplate going through again what we just went through with the trade Jimmy for young prospects and, and young projects, none of whom develop the way that we quite want them to. Zach being the lone exception and shout out to him, but shout out. the rest of that process, even with Zach getting better and better and better, was not fun. I don't know if, if any Bulls fan who wants to like just say, well, this window is not really a window and we're stuck in mediocrity and purgatory with Damar and Zach Avuch and let's just start over again. Hell no. Hell no. I have no interest in doing that. I and think, yeah, the, the one thing that you can really point to is that they've turned the franchise around. Like, they got marquee free agent in DeMar DeRozan, and they've treated him really well, and they paid Zach Levine, and they went out and traded for win-now guys. Like, that sends a message to free agents, and that's real. Like, you, people talk about it like it's cliche. That's an actual real thing. People would not want to come to Chicago to play here under the old regime. Like, it just didn't happen because they weren't a real organization. They weren't taking things seriously. That is a huge deal, and I don't want to overlook that. Like, they really changed the way that this organization is perceived <coughs> around the rest of the league. That is so important. But I think the more you don't do stuff, the further back you go, right? Like, mm -hmm. if you aren't continuing to build on that, then you're falling backwards. And so, again... I'm super excited about the talent on this team. Like, I've talked about Lonzo. We, we haven't seen him play when CHGO has existed because he's been out. But, like, Lonzo is one of my favorite oh, Bulls players oh in Why such a long time. Why would you say that? It's just throwing gut you punches everywhere at the tail end of this episode, Will. Will. I'm, I'm no, trying to be – I'm trying to say the opposite. <laughs> I did not I'm even so, realize no. that, but you're right. No, I'm I so didn't excited even, I for thank Lonzo. you for saying it. No, I I'm thank so you for excited saying for him it. because he's one of my favorite players on the Bulls and has been – for the past couple of years. Like, he's he's awesome. Crusoe, he's gonna okay. amazing. He's going to be okay. Patrick Williams, I'm, I'm so not. high on him as a prospect. He just 
the pressure's on him now to perform a little bit sooner than it probably would have been had they not gone all in. And so you put all these things together and there is a lot of reason to be excited about the product that's going to be on the floor. It's just a matter of continuing to get better. So I don't want to come off like they're going to be, you know, in the lottery again and they're going to like potentially even keep their own pick because <laughs> they're going to be so bad. I don't think that's the truth at all. I think they're going to be a really fun, exciting team. And I just want to see them continue to get better. That's all. Yeah, no, and Will, please don't take that for, for Neg while I'm saying that. I'm so happy you said that because I'm going to say that to some people. But it's just like you put you put reality right in people's faces, and I love that you did that because that's real. You know what I mean? Like we ain't seen him since he's been here. And damn, that is so true. And, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. A, and I don't want a people – heart attack of sadness. <laughs> heart, attack of, heart attack of relief. Like not even that. It's a heart it's attack of worse. sadness. We'll, have to, Man, we'll but, have to each have one and compare. And I don't want people thinking, like Will said, that he's down on his team because he's not. Because we talk about this team a lot, and, and he's not. He's just really not down on it. But, yeah, man, it's real. And you can't be mad at somebody who's telling you the truth. You know what I mean? And telling you the real of what something is. You can debate it. You can argue it. But you can't be mad at the truth, y'all. You got to just take it for what it is, man. Um, we are just about out of time. But before we go uh, – I just wanted to put one more piece of context into this whole big picture conversation. Lawrence, do you have that tweet from our pal Keith Smith that you could throw up there real quick? This was from the other day. We had Keith on before free agency to get the rundown of the Bulls cap situation. Keith is a great NBA capologist in case you aren't following him already at Flex. Keith Smith NBA. Here's this from the other day. There are 11 teams currently over the NBA's luxury tax line listed by amount over the tax line. Look at these teams, Clippers, Warriors, Nets, Bucks, Celtics, Suns, Lakers, Mavs, Nuggets, Blazers, Hawks. The top six teams listed there were all in the top 10 to that Bleach Report ranking that we discussed yesterday, the best starting fives in the NBA. Two more of those teams, Denver and Atlanta, are in the top 15. The other ones are big market teams who just pay the tax because they're big market teams, like LA, who's paying the tax even though they stunk last year. Just going to throw that out there. Again, yeah. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. Look, if there wasn't anyone to spend money on to push you into the taxes this offseason, fine. And somebody in the comments saying, look, they made a lot of moves last offseason. You can't expect them to make a lot of moves this offseason. Fine. Logical. Whatever. Big picture. Michael said it himself in an interview halfway through this past season. You want to win big? You want to be seen as one of the top 10 teams, the real championship contenders in this league? pay the damn tax and i just want to say on a final note like it's not it necessarily about the money for me or making trades or trading out draft picks or whatever it just seems like the attitude shifted away from trying to go all in on winning and i just don't it, it just does not compute <laughs> it does not compute it does not compute <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's get out of here. Uh, we'll be back with another live episode tomorrow, 3 o'clock, per usual. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter, Won't Gottlieb, BOW, BAWL Sports, Bulls bow. underscore Peck, CSGO underscore Bulls. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, CSGO Sports, if you aren't already. And stay tuned for more content from our CSGO Sports teams today and into tomorrow. For Will and Big Dave and our producer for the day, Lawrence, shout out to you. Aquamini. Aquamini. <laughs> Thanks for tuning Damn. in. Hit that like button. We had 225 or so. Get those likes up. Appreciate y'all. Until tomorrow, see Red be good.